Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great evening and that you're going to have a great start to your Friday. And if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, there's a reason for you to do it. Number one, we're celebrating the team with the winning season. And number two, we're celebrating the team that has the chance to be the eighth seed in the West on Sunday. And it's such an exciting time. I had to bring one of my favorite people covering the Grizzlies on the show with me. Frequent guest, good friend of mine, and the show, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you, sir? You know, I, I was on, I was just on the phone with my girlfriend, and I just told her that that game was something. It was just sports because you were stressed. You were just in a roller coaster of emotions. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. But a win's a win. I'm happy. The Grizzlies finally have a winning record for the first time since the 2016-17 season. So let's not really complain. It's good vibes over here. Absolutely could not agree more. And it's just exciting to be able to see this team bounce back coming into um, their road trip last Wednesday. They had lost four out of their last five. It looked like that they were going to kind of back playoffs. Nobody wanted to, but now winners of five out of their last six, it's really exciting. We're going to get Parker's takes on some things he saw in tonight's victory. Second segment, we're going to talk about Dylan Brooks, the hero of tonight's game, and someone who's really been playing excellent as of late. And then the third segment, a surprise segment with Parker. He kind of knows what it is, but it's going to be a fun spin on tomorrow on tonight's preview of the game against the Kings. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. So, Parker, I want to get your thoughts on tonight's game. You know, the Grizzlies allowed the Kings to shoot 17 threes, allowed the Kings to get 33 assists, and, allow- and committed 18 turnovers. This is only the fifth time the Grizzlies have allowed, have allowed that to happen in the game in franchise history. The previous four times, they lost by an average of 30 points, but tonight they pulled out the win. How important is it for this Grizzlies team to know in a big moment, they obviously didn't play their best, but in crunch time they delivered and they were able to pull out the win despite not having their best game tonight? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. But uh, first, I want to give credit to the Kings. And I know there's just always been this narrative of the Grizzlies playing down to competition and not taking care of quote-unquote G League teams, but I really do think that we underestimate what a group of NBA players can do when you have these games where they get the opportunity. Let's be real. Those guys that are out there, guys like Me Too and Justin James, who we've seen in the past with uh, the guys from Detroit, uh, the Clippers JV team pretty much, and Oklahoma City's under guys, those are guys that are looking to improve themselves in the league, and they're ultimately fighting for their NBA lives there's going to be a different kind of edge and kind of different tenacity than you're used to on a night-to-night basis. So I really think we're underestimating that. And just credit to the Kings. Uh, credit to now one of my least favorite NBA players, Justin James. Kind of gave me a little heart attack there, but it's all good. But, you know, I think it was you, Sean, that talked about it in postgame, just the, diff- the variety of ways that the Grizzlies are winning. And I just think that's super important because it kind of gets – we kind of see these teams get fixated in their ways and, you know, they're winning a certain way, whether it's the Houston Rockets and the James Harden era that would just bomb teams from downtown or you have teams relying on transition. You have teams relying on the paint like the great and grind Grizzlies or relying on defense. But you're really seeing 
a Grizzlies team just learn how to win in a variety of ways, whether it's paint dominance that we saw like a month or so ago when they scored like 80 paint points, or a team like when they played Charlotte and they hit 24, 25 threes, or just getting out and running and getting fast break points, getting deflections, getting steals, or even like the Pelicans getting to the night, but they had 19 team blocks, which was like five or six away from the single game record in NBA history. So I think that's important for a young team because in the grand scheme of things, it's not really just refining their craft, refining the offense, refining the system. For young teams, it should be more about like winning to learn game, uh, learning to win games. And I think that's really what the byproduct of this uh, winning in a variety of ways is. It's just the Grizzlies learning how to win games. And I think for this young team, and just learning that some nights you're going to have to lean on something that may not be like a primary focus in your system, that's going to pay dividends in the long run when it comes to actually learning how to win games when teams are getting five, six games of film on you in a playoff series, throwing all these different adjustments out there. And yeah, I agree with you. That's the thing that, you know, I wanted to hit on as well is that this team as and John Morant talked about it tonight. You've heard others talk about it. This team is continuing to reach thresholds where they're reminded they're a young team. They're reminded that they're inconsistent. They have a few occurrences where they disappoint, but they learn from it and eventually make the corrections they need to find ways to get the job done. And that's exactly what they've done in winning five out of their last six. But another big, uh, Takeaway from tonight's game, I think, Parker, was that though the team did not play that strongly at times, and you're right, the Kings certainly did play well. It wasn't John Morant or even DeAnthony Melton who stepped up and delivered that short spurt of offense. It was great games from Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks. Just how awesome of a development is it is that this Grizzlies team now knows it has multiple players it can go to to close out halves or close out games despite John Morant. How important is that for this offense to be able to create enough points when it needs to, especially as the competition is going to get tougher over the next week? No, it's massive. And I like the point that you made that even when John Morant is not on his A game or even like tonight, Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of got sucked into foul trouble. The Grizzlies are learning to win with just a variety of players contributing to the scoring uh, column. And I think we, I think the Grizzlies have had 13 different players lead the team in scoring. And I think that's just a testament to their depth. It's a testament to the system. I mean, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast just recently before the game, and they were talk. He was talking about how for like the Boston Celtics to win each night. They gotta have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Kimba Walker, or all three, two of the three, whatever. They have to be great in order to win games because they don't have enough depth. And I think it's just a testament to the depth that Coach uh, that uh, Zachary Kleiman built with this team, a testament to the system that Coach Jenkins and the coaching staff have deployed in the system, and a testament to the players for just refining their craft, studying the game, working on their craft and just having the confidence to go out there and play their games. I just I just think that when you have a team playing with that sort of confidence, that sort of versatility, and that sort of uh, diversified portfolio of focuses for winning games, it's just going to pay off in the long run, but it's also going to pay off in the short term as well. 
and it continuing to develop that depth. So we've got Jaw obviously is the primary guy. Hopefully we'll get Jaron in you know in spurts without the foul trouble to help out. We've got that second layer of support in Dylan and, and, and Jonas, but then we've also got that third level, and tonight it was Kyle Anderson hitting three threes, five of six from the field, but also you commented on it in the postgame. Brandon Clark looks to be back to himself. His 12 to 15 points, efficient shooting, five to 10 rebounds a night off the bench, which is so big. It seems like that the Grizzlies also are getting productive layers of depth both from the starting lineup and the bench, and that's what's going to allow for us to play that full 48 that this team is hinted as being a goal, but also is going to be so important in their pursuit of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know what? Just something with Brandon Clark, I'm just going to remind everybody, don't overreact over a player that's in a slump when they're injured, especially when there's a lot of evidence that that player is actually a good productive basketball player. Case closed there. That's all I'm going to say. But I like to look how you set the layers of productivity for this Grizzlies team. Because you know what? Sometimes it is Brandon Clark, but also sometimes it's Anthony Melton or Xavier Tillman or Destin Bain or Tyus Jones. Hell, we had John Conchar help the Grizzlies win a game against the fifth seed in the Western Conference. So just that the the productivity and just the layers of it and just the fact that, you know, if somebody's not on their A game that night, they can count on their teammates to kind of just pick up their game a little bit in order to help the team win. It's just, it's great for morale, great for chemistry, and it's it's great for the long-term building and long-term building towards winning basketball. I want to correct you on one thing, though. I think he has officially changed his name to John Constar if I'm correct, Parker. But that's not going to be the last time we talked about John Concher in this podcast. Coming up, I'm going to talk a bit more about Dylan Brooks, who once again stepped up when the team needed him to, as he has been doing all season, but especially recently when it comes to offense. For many of us, a big part of our fandom is wagering and betting on sports, just having fun in general when it comes to being able to look at sports in a way to make a profit off of it and really be able to test our knowledge when it comes to the outcomes of the games. Well, betting and wagering is part of what you enjoy doing as a fan. I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the sporting, great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks expert. So, Parker, obviously, the Grizzlies now getting their first winning record, as you mentioned, since the 2016-2017 season. And I think the person who probably is the happiest, as he should be, is Dylan Brooks, who has been with this team longer than anybody, certainly has put in the work with the effort that he plays with. But it's not just that he's an effort player. And we talk about this year how I don't know if he necessarily has an all-NBA season under his belt this year, but a very good campaign defensively. But offensively, he has stepped up over the past 28 games. 
He has scored 25 or more points six times, which is a big development in terms of a supporting score for Jaw and Jonas. Just overall, where is it? What is the specific reason why you think he's taken that needed step forward in his offensive game in the second half of this season? Well, Sean, I've always known he's had it in him. I, I've known this since la- I've known it last season. I've known it when I was screaming from the rooftops why J.D. Bickerstaff was playing Garrett Temple over him or his rookie season where he took the scoring load and just kind of just gave us some fun performances. And it's, it's fun to see. And I just think that he's a guy who, especially this season, is starting to understand what the team needs from him when they need him to be, you know, I guess, uh, superhero Dylan and take up about 20 to 25 shots. He's learning to pick and choose his spots a little better. He's being a better playmaker. And he's just a student of the game. And I I think that's that's evident through his defensive intensity and defensive skill set. I mean, not not many guys can get – have Luca take 20 shots on them and only have five of them fall down. He's just – He's done a remarkable job studying up on these all-NBA guys, these all-star players, and really helped slow them down. I just think it's been awesome. But offensively especially, I just think it just comes down to shots falling. Uh, I think this earlier this season, his percentage, percentages kind of got jacked a little bit because he had that time without John Morant where he just kind of had to take on a scoring load. He was a the primary focal point of a defense, so he wasn't getting the best looks he used to get. But and also too, I think the COVID stuff and just the the inconsistency in the schedule and both both in terms of practice and games could have affected the shot too. But he, he's getting into a rhythm. I tweeted out, I think it was last week or earlier this week, that he's shooting forty four percent on catch and shoot threes since the All-Star break, which would be his best either pre- or post-All-Star game split of his NBA career. And I just think it's important going forward because my opinion on Dylan Brooks has gotten even higher this season, to be honest, because before I was like, okay, I know the Rodney's on the wall. He's either going to be a trade chip or some point, or he's going to be the sixth or seventh man. But with just the edge and intensity that bring, that he brings defensively and what he does offensively as a three-level creator. But also I think the thing that's the most important and what Coach Jenkins even said in the press conference tonight is just the spirit and the swagger that he brings his team. I haven't seen many NBA – not let alone Grizzly players, NBA players that play with his tenacity for all 48 minutes. So, I mean, it's an 82-game season. There's some nights where – guys are just like I don't have it I just don't have it um and you can kind of see it in their body language and stuff and just Dylan's demeanor and his energy never changes from the ball the time the ball's tipped to the time the final horn hits and I just think that kind of energy and leadership and tenacity I think every team needs that if they want to end up contending for championships so I don't know if it's going to be as the starting small forward of the future or as the future sixth or seventh man. But I, I think even more than last year, Dylan Brooks is kind of like state 
like made his claim into being on that next great Grizzlies team. It's really awesome to see. I know that was a loaded question, but I think you should really kind of expect that from uh, one of the founders of Dylan Brooks Island. Fair enough. Now, the thing that I'll ask, though, is this. So he's he's done well in six of his last nine games, 18 or more shot attempts, including three straight with 21, 21, and 28 over his past three games. My question is, though, is that, yes, it's worked. Yes, it, it, it's had its place. But do we feel that Dylan Brooks taking 18 to 20 shots a game going into Sunday versus the Warriors and then playing in these playing games, do we feel that we continue to let him have that that reign? Or do we hope that he kind of, you know, finds better offensive possessions in which we might give more shots to John Morant and Jonas Valanciunas? Does it make sense for him to continue shooting at this rate? Or do you think it's going to be needed to rein back a little bit to make sure we're getting the best offensive look every time down the court? Let's be completely real. With John Morant, with him, it's not the fact of him needing to take more shots. For him, it's just taking more shots. He's the point guard. He has the ball in his hands more than just about any player in the league. So if John Morant wants more shots, he's going to take more shots. But the thing is, we've seen time and time again with John Morant, he said it in post-game press conferences, and you see it on the court. He is a point guard. He is going to look to set his teammates up, set them up for success, and he finds joy in getting assists and making his teammates better. He just cares about winning ball games. If it means taking less than 10 shots one night or if it means taking 24 to 25 shots one night, he's going to do whatever it takes to win ball games. So with him, it's tough. Uh, ideally, you would want Jaron to take up a lot more shots, but I still think that you're kind of just seeing them getting used to Jaron being in the offense because they're used to the person that's not that's sharing the floor with guys like Ja and Jonas and Dylan and Kyle. They're used to that guy not being a high-demand guy, whether it's Grayson Allen or Desmond Bain. They're more of like a catch-and-shoot kind of guys, and so they're used to the fact of having a guy of Jaron's skill set in there, especially when they built this uh, – camaraderie all year long in this offensive chemistry and with Jonas it's tricky because of how he scores the basketball and I think one thing that goes kind of unnoticed when Jonas gets like when Jonas is like in the game he's getting his post touches and stuff teams or defenses collapse on Jonas a lot so it's not more just finding more shots for Jonas just the fact of getting him more open because if you just feed the ball to him in the post teams are just going to collapse and he's He's not necessarily like a Marcus Gasol or Nikola Jokic out of the post. He's a good passer, but he's not at that like tier to where like you can give him the ball and he's going to whip it out to a cutter or whip it out to a three-point shooter or whatever. Um, I just think with Dylan, it's just like a a demand kind of thing. I, mean, I think there's a demand for guys that can create at three levels, guys that can get to the rim, pull up in the mid-range, or shoot catch-and-shoot threes, and Dylan's the only player on this team that can do that, but also Dylan Brooks is the only player with the the confidence to do so. So I think it's just more of a byproduct of uh, the mentalities of the other players and just uh, the schematics of everything, really, and just the fact that at the end of the day, Dylan's a big, big wing that can create his own shot. And when you have guys like that, you trust them with the ball in their hands. So I, I think 18 shots a game, that you don't want that, but 
I think you need him to take double-digit shot shot attempts if you are trying to win a game. And let's also be honest, when it comes to um, Jonas Valanciunas, when is he his most open? When he's getting those offensive rebounds. He arguably mm-hmm. is the best offensive rebounder in the game, and I would be willing to bet, Jaws probably close, he may be higher, but I'd be willing to bet the player that he's got the most offensive rebounds off of is Dylan Brooks' shot. So that's kind of how Dylan gets his yeah. assists, even though they don't count as him um, in the scorebook. But speaking of counting, I'm not sure how big of a wager and better Parker Fleming is. But we're going to have a bit of fun with Friday night's game as the Grizzlies, you know, obviously had, you know, basically earned the right to rest some of their players in tomorrow night's game against the Kings. And that's going to make for a fun night for several of the Grizzlies reserves. Coming up, we're going to do a fun prop bet session with one and only Parker Fleming talking about some key statistics tomorrow night that could be reached by some unexpected sources. With the summer almost here, I'm sure many of us want to be in the best shape that we can be to enjoy Getting outside, the weather has been nice here over the past few weeks. Just being outside more, being out and about more this year compared to last year, there's just a lot of good reasons to be out and about. Well, if your health is on your mind, there are ways for you to be able to get healthy, even if it's a small yet significant step that you can do every day as part of your daily routine. And that's including Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market right now. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, the great taste of any type of snack that you enjoy, but with great health benefits. You can have it in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy it, it's going to be a great addition to your day. And you actually can go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Get that, excuse me, that's the promo code Locked15. It's Locked15, and you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. You also have 18 different flavors to choose from, so you're never going to find a taste that's not going to meet your preferences with so many to choose from. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked15 to get your to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, can the New York Mets follow in the New York Knicks' footsteps? That's the question of the day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcasting. The great host, Peter Burkowski, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. So we've discussed, obviously, the big win tonight against the Sacramento Kings. Dylan's great effort over the last month to six weeks. But we're going to talk about a segment where, hey, we've talked about the starters all season long. Why not talk about some of these deep reserves? The Killian Tillies, the John Conchers, the John Tate Porters, these guys who we've not talked about that much, but are probably going to get some extended runs tonight. So, Parker Fleming, I would like to welcome you to the Locked On Grizzlies Rest Night Prop Bets. Are you ready, sir? I hope so. I'm not much of a betting man, but you know what? I'll put down some fake money on these on these props. All right, we'll go with Monopoly money. All right, so we're going to go over under here just to make it simple. Over under, the Grizzlies will have four new starters on Friday night than they did on Thursday night. Four more? So, so Ja, Dylan, Kyle Anderson, Jaron, and Jonas started on Thursday night. At least four of the the Grizzlies will have at least four new starters Friday night compared to Thursday night. Over. You think they're going to have? You think they're going to have a complete new, new starting five? 
All new starting five. Well, that's going to be fun to see. All right. All right. Here's a big one. Over, under. We finally get the Jitty 20 performance. Over, under, John Conchar, 20 points. Absolute over. We're going to get absolutely Jitty tomorrow night. All right. All right. That, that sounds like a plan. All right. So with that being said, over, under, three Grizzlies players set career highs in points on Friday night. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go push. I'm going to go That's push. A good push. I think that, that is a good push. I think that Xavier and John or Conchar get it. And I want to say that Tilly and Porter will get it as well. So I think, I think, I think I'm, I think I may go push. All right. Over under five combined threes between Killian Tilly and John Tay Porter. Over. Ooh, so, so you're thinking a big performance, all right, all right. And then finally, over, under, the Grizzlies score 110 points without John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, or Dylan Brooks scoring a point. Under. You think they're going to go, you think they're going to go, you think they're going to uh, not score 110? I think if they score 110, it, there's just going to be no defense that exists on either side of the on either team. <laughs> it's going to be an all-star game. <laughs> Understood completely, it, Parker. It's, it's going to be it's going to be a G League all-star game. So basically, it's going to be <laughs> Brandon Abraham's heaven. The Brandon Abraham Bowl tomorrow night in Memphis. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. So, Parker, we'll end on this, obviously, because I'm sure that we will talk to you at some point during the playoffs or after the season. Obviously, the Grizzlies have a big game on Sunday. Your thoughts about that game on Sunday and next week, just overall, your expectations, and specifically, if the Grizzlies make the playoffs, what do you think or who do you think stands out as the reason why? Ooh. Uh, I'll get into Sunday real quick. I think this kind of goes into my my play-in beliefs on this team as well. Is um, I'm terrified of the Warriors in a uh, single elimination game because they have the greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry. They're actually rolling right now, too. They've won four games in a row. They've had really solid outings from Andrew Wiggins, who who we've seen firsthand destroy the Grizzlies. And, I mean, maybe there's just a different level of intensity for Draymond Green. I mean, ideally, here's what you're going to want to happen is you're going to want to have a situation where you move up to eight because, I mean, the Lakers, I I think the Lakers, unless they get Golden State potentially, it's more of a buy. Like they're going to get the seven seed, in my opinion. Because nobody's beating LeBron James in a single elimination game. Let's let's be completely honest. And the only player I think that can do that is Steph. But um, I think with Sunday and a potential Warriors matchup and playing, I just think the biggest thing to watch is how they defend Steph Curry. I mean, it, it's one of those things that's very common. The you, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I think that's like the most I think that applies to Steph Curry more than just about any player in the league. 
just because of how hot he can get from deep. But uh, I'm really interested to see just it's really going to test uh, Dylan Brooks, especially because he's stopped these guys all year long. And now he's going to have the challenge of just running around chasing Seth Curry and just seeing if he can make his life hell with his physicality and with his um, with his size as well. In the past two games um, against Utah and against Phoenix, he shot a combined four of 24 from three. I mean, is it a slump or is it just good, good defensive schemes? I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously you got to contain Seth, but you just got to prevent those random those random explosions, whether it's Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole, both that we've seen, Kent Bazemore, uh, performances like that. They just got to keep those guys in check. Uh, but what what was the the other question? If the Grizzlies make the playoffs, why, what, or who is the biggest reason why? If they make it. Uh, John Morant. I, I think it's John Morant just because, I mean, he's the guy with the star potential on the team, and we've seen him time and time again just elevate his game and just have these special performances that lead to big-time Grizzlies success. And I just think that, if the Grizzlies rise above and make it to the playoffs, cause, I mean, just think if they stay at nine, that requires two two games in a row where they win, and I, I think that's just going to be because of John Morant and just the uh, how he raises his play and just really an- like answers the call and has a star moment there. I I think it's really just if the Grizzlies make it to the playoffs and they outlast guys like. Maybe LeBron James or Anthony Davis, or maybe Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and, and the the wizardry of Greg Popovich and Demar Derozan. It's because of John Morant. Well, hopefully, we'll see it happen. Obviously, it's been a pleasure to have Parker Parker. Thank you so much. I will say some exciting news. I was able to attend the first ever edition of the Core Four Podcast on the Locker Room app, a very, very well-put-together edition. And I will put out a PSA, public service announcement for Parker and the Core 4 podcast. We, both of us, I I feel I can speak for both of us, we both eternally love Nathan Chester. But there are times where I ask, do not judge Parker based off his podcast host's opinions. Like when he says Jaron Jackson Jr. is the next, Andrea Bargnani. Please don't do that. We love we love Nathan, but th- th- there are just times we have to say that. <laughs> All joking aside, though, it was a lot of fun yesterday getting to talk with you and Nathan and others on the on the locker room app. Oh yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I that's something that we're going to try to do more. Uh, I have some really exciting uh, projects I might try in the locker room, um, but I, I couldn't have done it without you just. Letting me know, hey, you you should try locker room. Or, hey, go in the locker room because I wouldn't have known how exciting it was if I didn't have somebody whose content expertise I trust so much telling me about it. So, yeah. And um, I, I do have one announcement as well. Um, Sean, I don't know how um, how influenced you are by um, hip-hop culture or pop culture, but J. Cole had just yep. dropped an album today, and yep. he name-dropped John Morant in one of his songs. Ooh, okay. So we're going to have to listen to that. Yeah, I think there's a – I want to say there's a Drake cover 
that's on there. I may be wrong. I've got I've got some other folks that I've talked with. I'm not that big into when uh, when when music is dropped and all that myself. This is me showing my age. But I'm going to have to <laughs> check this out. Of course, you heard about J Cole obviously going to be pursuing some of his basketball dreams over. I think in a uh, NBA developmental league in Africa for three to six games yep. here recently. He agreed to a contract to do that. I know that's that's pretty exciting. I, I hope they they find some way to like stream these games just because I think it'd just be fun. I don't I don't know how good he's going to be, but I mean, hey, it's it's fun. It's fun for basketball. Yeah, I think that it's been a while since he's released an album, but I've watched a few times. Um, I believe it was his improv freestyle rapping that the video came out on Twitter um, yesterday, maybe the day before. Very very talented rapper, but that that's pretty awesome. So check out obviously. Jay Cole. But speaking of checking things out, Parker, besides locker room and all that, before we head out for you know this episode of the Locker Grizzlies podcast, any exciting things you've got coming up with obviously the play-in tournament being next week? Just some things you might have on the GBB, the core four. Where can people find your work? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually um on Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm working on a column on uh Coach Taylor Jenkins. I, I've been really high on him since he's taking the job and I feel like he's one of the probably the one of the brightest brains when it comes to analyzing the game of basketball and studying the game of basketball and just what he's done with this rebuild so far has just been awesome awesome to see I think a good coach goes a long way into stuff like this and you know I think we we talk about the players a lot and this is just me getting making making sure that Coach Taylor Jenkins gets the recognition he deserves. Got some insight from different players on this on this subject. Uh, John Morant, uh, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, guys like that. So definitely going to encourage it. it. It's been a tough fright because I'm just trying to figure out just how to make it perfect. But I'm really excited for it to, to come out for sure. I've said it before, and I'll say it Again, when it comes to the combination of passion, intelligence, and talent in terms of the Grizzlies and covering the game of basketball, there are a few who compare to Parker Fleming on the Memphis scene. Always one of my favorite guests to have on the show. Parker, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, sir. And Sean, thank you for hitting me up for this. This was fun. We'll do it again. And we'll make sure we join some locker rooms as well. <laughs> Stick with me for just a second after the show. But of course, you can find Parker at Paca underscore Flocka, obviously the core four podcast, all of our work over at GBB, the GBB uh, podcast network as well, 3D podcast starting five, Grizzly Bear Blues Live, which Parker hosts with Joe Molinax, who will be on the show next week. And then, of course, obviously him and Nathan Chester on the core four podcast. You can find our show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. My name's Sean Coleman. It's been a pleasure for Parker Fleming, Sean Coleman. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy some fun seeing the Grizzlies reserves dominate a game of basketball, all heading up to a big game on Sunday. Until then, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.